It is that time of year when we reflect on the year that has passed and we look with hope to the year to come. The older we get, we reflect on our lives and often it is in looking back that we can see how God has worked in our lives. We see how God directed us, or at least tried to, how God was with us in times of trouble and grief, and was also with us in our times of joy. The Gospel of John is a reflection, a looking back at the life of Jesus Christ. It was written between the year 90 and 120 A.D. Most scholars believe it was written based on eyewitness accounts by people that the writer of John knew. The writings we call the Bible, including the first five books, were well known. We do know that by the time the Gospel of John was written, the other three Gospels had been also written. So it's very possible that they were used as sources as well. The Gospel of Mark, the oldest of the Gospels, begins with John appearing in the desert, proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins and telling of one greater than he who is coming, who will baptize with the Holy Spirit. There is no narrative of the birth in the Gospel of Mark. The Gospel of Luke and Matthew give us the Christmas story we love and hold dear in our hearts. The Gospel of Luke begins with Elizabeth and Zechariah learning from an angel that they would have a son, and an angel visiting Mary, telling her she too would have a son by the Holy Spirit and she would name him Jesus. We learn of Mary and Joseph traveling to Bethlehem, Jesus' birth in a stable, and the angel coming to the shepherds. In the Gospel of Matthew, it begins with a genealogy showing that Jesus was a descendant of Abraham, and then moves into the birth narrative, where we hear about an angel coming to Joseph, and about Herod and the wise men. John, the last gospel, goes farther back, way back, way, way back. This is John's Christmas story, beginning in creation. As time went on, a theology developed as the writer reflected on the life of Jesus. He took all that he had read, all that he had heard from others, and all he knew personally from experience about God and Jesus, and wrote this gospel. The Gospel of John traces the word, that essence that would become Jesus, back to the very beginning, before time, before creation. Our text says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things came into being through him, and without him not one thing came into being. What has come into being in him was life, 
and the life was the light of all people. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not overcome it. The Word was not created, but was with God before creation, and was God. John tells us that the Word, before it took on human flesh, was intimately involved in the creation of the world. The first three words in John, in the beginning, are the exact same first three words in Genesis, in the beginning. This was not a coincidence. Genesis says, in the beginning when God created the heavens and the earth, the earth was a formless void and darkness covered the face of the deep while a wind from God swept over the face of the water. Then God said, Let there be light, and there was light. And God saw that the light was good, and God separated the light from the darkness. He called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And there was evening, and there was morning the first day. Note, Both Genesis and the Gospel of John are accounts of creation by God's Word. God only needed to speak, and creation came into being. Both accounts speak of darkness and light. In the Old Testament and the New Testament, light and darkness are metaphors for things like good and evil, order and chaos, love and hate, truth and lies, and salvation and damnation. Through creation, God brought order and goodness out of the chaos, out of the formless void. What God's light gives us is goodness, love, truth, and salvation. What was created was good, but humanity had fallen into the darkness. So God sent the word into a broken world in hopes that the light would once again shine and overcome the darkness. The word came down from heaven in the form of a man called Jesus. Jesus was the living, breathing word of God. He was sent to reveal God to all people, and to show what the kingdom of God was like. He became man so that people could see God and become God-like and become children of God. Jesus brings us light and life. We can choose darkness and ignore the light, but the darkness will never overcome the light of God. The people expected a king a powerful man sent by God who would conquer their enemies and bring peace. But they got more than a man, more than a human. They got the Son of God, God himself. This reading tells us about John the Baptist. There had not been a prophet for 400 years. Then John showed up. He must have been a sight dressed in animal skins, eating wild honey and locusts. He was a powerful prophet 
and his words rang out into the desert, calling the people to repent and prepare for the one coming after him who would baptize them with the Holy Spirit and fire. John's Gospel wanted to reaffirm that John the Baptist was not the Messiah and that Jesus was the light of the world. Our reading continues, The true light, which enlightens everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world came into being through him. Yet the world did not know him. He came to what was his own, and his own people did not accept him. But to all who received him, who believed in his name, he gave power to become children of God, who were born not of the blood or of the will of the flesh or of the will of man, but of God. Jesus, the true light, came into the world so he could enlighten all of humanity, not just Israel. He came to the Israelites, God's chosen people first, and they rejected him and killed him. Two thousand years later, we often wonder to ourselves, how could they have been so blind to miss the Son of God? We need honestly to ask ourselves, would we recognize him today if he came? What if he came today as an immigrant? Would we find room for him in our homes and in our hearts? We, too, have reject, rejected Jesus when we have neglected God's children in need. We are all a work in process, in need of a God-like heart. But if we receive Jesus as fallen as we are and believe that he is the Son of God, we become his children and our heirs to his kingdom. Jesus gives us more than physical life. He offers us a life with God in this world and in the world to come. We may not be the sons and daughters by the blood of Abraham, the chosen people of God, but through faith, God will accept us into his family. The Word, the eternal Son of God, became flesh and came to live among us, and that through faith we can become the children of God and heirs to his kingdom. These are two miracles that are, have happened and are happening. The text says, The word became flesh and lived among us, and we have seen his glory, the glory as of a father's son, full of grace and truth. From his fullness we have all received grace upon grace. The law indeed was given to Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. He is God, the only Son, who is close to the Father's heart, who has made him known. A bridge has been built between God and us. The bridge's name is Jesus and was built with God's pure love. God, who once dwelled in heaven, chose to dwell with us, chose literally to pitch his tent here on earth. 
the Word left heaven to take human form. A mystery we will never understand no matter how hard we try. God gave the law to Moses on a mountaintop, and Moses took it to the people of Israel. Moses was told he could not see the face of God or he would die. The Word, Jesus, coming to live with us, allowed humanity to see the face of God for the first time, to see God's loving kindness, mercy, and faithfulness. God's grace is beyond our understanding. It says, we have been given grace upon grace. When I was a child, I got full of grace mixed up with graceful. And I imagined God dancing like a ballerina through heaven, being graceful. The only other kind of grace I knew was the grace we sometimes said at dinner. But that was us giving thanks to God for our food. So I was confused at what all this grace, grace stuff was all about. Our catechism says, Grace is God's favor towards us, unearned and undeserved. By grace, God forgives our sins, enlightens our minds, stirs our hearts, and strengthens our will. A man named Michael Marsh wrote, Human beings are the tangible, outward, and visible signs and carriers of God's inward and spiritual presence. That is who we are as God's children. Carriers of God's love, grace, mercy, forgiveness, and compassion to others. People should see Christ in us. Because we are loved, we must love. Because we are forgiven, we must forgive. Because we have received mercy, we must be merciful. Because we have received God's grace, we must give grace to others. John tells us that Jesus is the light that cannot be overcome by darkness. And if we believe in him, we can become children of God. Through Jesus, we have received grace upon grace, gifts that we have cannot earn or deserve. We have been given the gift of being, beings with a mind, a body, and a spirit. Though we can never understand the fullness of God, we get a glimpse through creation and through Jesus. Let us live a life of thanksgiving and give praise always to the one who created us and gives us bountiful grace. And always remember the greatest miracle of all is recorded perfectly in one sentence in the Gospel of John. God so loved the world that he gave his only son so that whoever believes in him may not perish but have eternal life. Jesus was more than a prophet. He was and is the Son of God. Amen.